The following audio message by Dudley Hall is presented by Kerygma Ventures. More information is available at www.kerygmaventures.com. Well, glory. <laughs> it's great to be back with you again this month. I'm uh, looking forward to our discussion together. Hey, uh, featured resource for this month. Go to the website, call the office, get it. I did a series uh, earlier this year on enjoying prayer. Some people endure it. Some people see it as a duty. The way God has designed it, you can enjoy prayer. It's communion with Him. And after we get through with our today's uh, or this month's discussion, I think you'll you'll want it. So get it. You can get it video, audio, several sessions on it as we talk about why God wants us to pray. Why do we pray? Well, there may be a lot of answers that we God wants us to pray because He wants to answer. And He has great things to give to us and uh, a lot of things He wants to do with us. So, get that. Also, this is the month of the leadership expedition out at Tesoro Escondido. And uh, you can be praying for those men that are out there. They're being trained in a way that not many men have the privilege of being trained. They're being made unintimidatable. Uh, Real manhood is being called out of them. Gospel of grace is being impregnated into them. And they will be uh, effective leaders, uh, those that respond, and usually they all do. So you can pray for them. You can also invest in them financially. So uh, I would encourage you, ask you to uh, consider that. I hope you enjoy the investment we're making with you as you listen to these things. And I know you'd like to participate in what we're doing. So it's a good time. The summer is usually uh, kind of a slack time when people are not quite as aggressive in their financial investments and ministries and stuff. So would you break that cycle and would you give generously and help us invest in these uh, men and all the other ministry that we're doing? Okay. Are uh, you ready to get going? Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139, 139th Psalm. And uh, title, what are we going to talk about? Well, I want to talk about, uh, I call it, honest to God. Uh, I, I have prayed a lot of prayers that weren't really all that honest. I, I'm so grateful God you know, looks at the heart and uh, he knows all the manipulations and spinning that I try to put on my petitions and so forth and he he answers out of his his own wisdom and grace and so I'm so grateful for that there's a request made by the psalmist David in Psalm 139 that it's just a scary request I can, I can remember reading this and thinking no way no way am I going to pray that because uh I don't think I want to be quite that honest. Here's what it says. The last two verses of Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Now, if if you're dealing with shame at all, and you're dealing with, if you feel feel like... uh, Uh, to be exposed uh, would be not a good thing, then you certainly don't want to ask God to search you because he's got a a pretty good searchlight and he knows everything and you you can't 
you can't pull anything over on him. And so, uh, you know, I could say to my parents, search me, I, that was a risk. And you say to a friend that you uh, are accountable to, you know, you, you search me. And, and, of course, you can, you, can, uh, you can hide things there. You can say to the policeman, search me, and he, 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 he can't find stuff. They're certainly not going to find much at the airport when they search you. It's being proven now that you can, people that are really trying to get through stuff can. You know, I, it's still a pain. But anyway, this whole thing of, uh, of asking God to search you is a scary thing. I never did like... I didn't like tests. I didn't like when my when when what I was doing or what I was was exposed. Did, did you, I? I still don't. I mean, I've got a physical coming up here soon, and as much as I believe in it and think it's good, and I'm glad a doctor has skills enough to look at what's going on and all my blood tests and all the things that they do and and tell me if something's out of whack so we can address it. Much as I know that's important, I dread it. I just I dread. Going in there and telling him, telling me, you know, uh, you know, you could lose a little wage, you know, your blood pressure's this and this and that and the other. You know, sane people would go, well, man, if something's wrong, don't you want to know? Well, yeah, yeah, but I just I don't want anything to be wrong, so just put it off. It's amazing how many people don't, don't do that. They don't have physicals, and I wouldn't probably if it weren't for my... Uh, lovely wife and God hounding me to do it. I can remember back in school, uh, we had a teacher. I won't call any names, but she would, uh, uh, one of her methods was uh, she'd give you a test, and if you finished early, which I typically like to do that, she would, uh, you'd go turn your paper in, and she'd say, well, come up here, and you can stand by the desk while I grade it. Well, I, I just as soon she take it home. I don't want to see her great. I don't want those red mark. I, I, if she's gonna make a red mark on it, make it when I can't see it. I don't. I, I just I didn't think that was. I didn't like it. it's a good teaching thing, but it wasn't something I looked forward to. And then in the athletic realm, you know, in, in the little high school that I went to, we did film the games, but. You know, you got one camera watching the game, and you look at it and evaluate it a little bit, and the coach would go, "Look, see that play? Don't do that anymore." <laughs> when I got to college, I realized that they were serious about this film stuff, and uh, they had cameras on on everybody, and everything you did was dissected, and not just that you got the job done, but it, did you do it properly? Did you use the right technique? Was your footwork right? Was, was your hands in the proper place, and all that kind of stuff, and Man, Sunday afternoon is when they went back over those films. Those those were the worst Sundays in the world. I mean, even if you won, I remember the first game in college. I I I got to play uh, in the first game that uh, in my freshman year I played, and we won. And, and the coaches were all slapping us on the back and telling us, "Great job, we won thirty-three to six. I can still remember. And I'm just thinking, this is fabulous. And then on Sunday afternoon. They went over those film with us watching there, and what had happened was uh, just a, about a week before the game, the coach had come to me and asked if I'd be willing to learn a new position because we'd had some injuries, and he said, you know, you'll play more if, you, uh, if you'll if you be willing to play another position. Some, so it's like, well, sure, I can do that. 
Well, I didn't learn the techniques and stuff, and I graded out awfully. Uh, you know, in the middle of the deal, you know, you'd the coach would stop the film and go, now look at this. This is how you don't do it. And, of course, it would, it would be me. I mean, it's like, yep, uh, there you go. So this whole thing of searching, you know, I was talking to a friend about it who, who played – Who's an All-American in high school and uh, I mean, excuse me, in college and played on a champ- uh, national championship team and went on and played pro ball. He said, "You know, for decades, I I live with that feeling of the cameras over my shoulder watching me, and I figured, you know, God was watching, and 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 I felt I felt watched, I felt scrutinized, I felt judged. So." This whole thing of asking God to search you. Why would anybody do such a thing as that? Well, several reasons. I mean, if if you actually do want to be free and you want everything in you that is blocking that freedom to be exposed, then you would want to be searched. If you want to know, you know whatever is wrong, whatever disease there might be in your soul and you want it to be addressed, then you would want to be searched. But why ask God? Well, because, first of all, we, we are, we're not good graders ourselves. I, I can search myself, and I misdefine what's wrong. I, I define things in terms of my own limited understanding, you know, my weaknesses and strengths, and... Uh, I, I misdefine sin. I, I, I'm convinced. Uh, I spent years, and probably still do, but I spent years confessing things that God didn't really care anything about. That was not the issue. Had I let Him tell me, we could have gotten down to the issue, and I wouldn't have had to go through all that, all that stuff. And the uh, even even sometimes your not sometimes even your friends can't see. They can see better than you can. They may be more honest than you. And they they may can see weaknesses you don't see and and whatever, but they they still can't see the heart. They can't they can't see your thought life. And this prayer is asking God to deal with your thoughts. I I, I want to read it to you. Would you could you concentrate long enough for me to just read you the whole psalm? This is this is David's walk with God. Listen to this, O Lord. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, unacquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in and behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's it's high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed and shield, you're there. If I take wings of the morning in the east, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea in the west, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Why, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. You formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully set apart. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Well, you can see here David has some sense of intimacy with God. This is not a view of God who's way off out there uh, looking for us to slip up some way so that he can pour wrath out on us. This is a God that David knows personally. And he realizes how involved God has been in his, his creation and how, how wonderful he is. And he winds up saying, I hate the enemies of God both outside of me and inside of me. And as surely as I want those wicked people who stand against God and blaspheme him, as surely as I want their mouths shut, I want anything inside of me that's an enemy of God. I want it to be exposed by the light of God. I want it to be taken out. That's the, that, that's the atmosphere in which he's, as he's praying here. Uh, getting back to this whole thing of uh, we're bad graders and sometimes our People around us are bad graders. Sometimes even the the church that's been influenced by the culture around us is bad graders. I know I, I grew up in an area in the South in a time when it was frowned upon to be smoking cigarettes, but it wasn't frowned upon to be a racist. So even even other people, even the, the sometimes the traditions of our, our culture are... Uh, you can't trust it. So, so only God can be a trusted can be trusted to to reveal our heart. Uh, and we want to ask Him to expose it because that which is not addressed, is not exposed, is painful, destructive, and grievous. Notice what He says: Try me and know my thoughts. my cares, my anxious thoughts. What, 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 kind of, what are anxious thoughts? They're, it's just wrong thinking. See, truth is, God has acted in my behalf to restore my sonship. It, all thoughts that do not issue from that are destructive. But what God is interested in showing us is a thought life 
based on a reality that's not consistent with the gospel. It's why Paul in Colossians says, set your mind on things above where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are so much in him that when he appears, you will appear with him in glory. All of our thoughts are to be gospel thoughts. All of our thoughts are to be Christ-centered thoughts. All of our thoughts are to consider that God has acted in our behalf. He has absorbed the wrath for our sin and sinfulness. He has acted in our behalf to reconcile us to God. His blood has paid the penalty and redeemed us, and justice has been eternally served. And God has taken us from the kingdom of darkness and put us in the kingdom of his dear son, so that today God his attitude toward us is exactly the same as his attitude toward the only begotten son. And if we are thinking of God or ourselves outside of that framework, we have anxious thoughts. And it, it is that kind of thinking that has to be exposed by God. Man won't expose it. We will expose bad behavior We'll expose lying. We'll expose outward adultery. We will expose perversion. We'll expose stealing. But only God can deal with that which is really causing the trouble inside. Those enemies that are distorting our thinking about who God is and who we are and what our relationship is and what's available to us now and only he can only he can show us that so how ridiculous would it be to put on nice clothes to cover up a cancerous body we we must be as David was this in that situation to say oh god oh god you know everything you know my anxious thoughts you search me. Because just like those enemies without ISIS is destroying people, who, 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 who as a Christian would, would permit ISIS to be in your neighborhood? Of course you wouldn't. You'd, you, you'd, you'd get gunned. You'd do whatever you had to to get them out. Well, uh, anxious thoughts, un, un-gospel-like thoughts are like Isis inside of your soul. Rosaria Butterfield, who has written a fabulous book on her journey from a tenured professor teaching lesbianism and feminism and all of that from there to being married to a Presbyterian pastor and free from the sexual bondage she was once in and able now to enjoy where God has her. She 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 tells a, a great story. It's a painful story, but a fabulous story. But uh, she, she gave her paraphrase of this particular prayer, and it's like this. Lord, show me every way original sin has distorted me and every way that indwelling sin manipulates me and lead me in the way of true repentance unto life and wholeness. That's a good prayer. That, that would be worth praying. 
we don't have to fear the God who has already in his son become he has become sin for us so there there's nothing we will do that will shock him embarrass him he already knows and so when we ask him to search us we're asking the holy spirit to look inside deeper than our behavior deeper even than our mental doctrines our theology and into our thoughts our anxious thoughts wrong thinking Without God's searching, my thoughts will be anxious. I'll be asking such questions as, you know, how am I doing? Am I getting better? Am I better than I used to be? And then when you do something really dumb that that seems like you've reverted back to years ago, and you it's like, oh, no, i got to start all over. And so feelings of guilt and shame and, all of those are a result of anxious thinking. Or when we worry about provision, we, we are ignoring the fact that that God has made us his sons and he has promised as a father to take care of his sons. So when I worry, it's revealing my orphan mentality of poverty. I, I want that exposed. I, I'm, I'm tired of worrying. I'm, I'm tired of anxiety. I'm, I'm tired of... Uh, fear I'm tired of feeling put down I'm I'm tired of of wondering if I've done enough to to please God or or to be accepted by God or ultimately to make it into heaven what about the thoughts that relate to what am I supposed to be doing am I doing enough should I give everything that I have to the poor and and should I not enjoy anything in life? Uh, uh, how much can I enjoy the things of the earth and, and still not make God mad? I, I mean, I want to be a sold-out Christian, but is it okay to have a house? Is it okay to have clothes? Is it okay to have a little money in the bank? Is it okay to have a... What about my work? It's it's not missionary work, and, and, and I have to work, and I, I, I'm just... I'm just doing things I'm not winning people to Jesus with everything so all of that's anxious thinking and it it comes about because the gospel has not permeated our thinking yet and we're still thinking with orphan minds and we're still thinking through uh, filters of shame and guilt rather than when God shows us he exposes our orphanity he instantly reveals to us what it means to be a son. I think this has to be some of what Jesus had in mind when he said, as he described to his disciples what was going to happen after he left, and he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment of sin because they believe not on me. See, he's going to show that the real sin is is the neglect of, to believe that Jesus is everything your soul longs for. It's when we refuse to let Jesus be the satisfaction, the delight, the ultimate delight of our being that we start adding idols in and we start finding substitutes. And then we focus on the substitutes but the Holy Spirit will search your heart and show you that it, 
has to do with our, have you brought your thinking and your feeling in line with the gospel? You don't have a right to think outside of it as it relates to you. Okay, so, from being honest to God, we can pray that prayer, knowing that the Father delights in me, therefore he delights in disciplining me, therefore I should delight in his discipline. Uh, the problem is we have this idea that God has a belt in his hand and and he still has wrath biting over our heads and that he's going to unleash it one of these days when he's had enough. <laughs> I don't know about you. Maybe you're one of those kids whose mother has just always said, I've had just about enough, uh, just about enough. And, and so we think, well, God's had just about enough. And that last thing I've done, uh, that's pushed him over the brink. And uh, one of these days, the other shoe's going to fall and, you know, it's going to break loose on me. So it's it's a... What else do I need besides asking God to show me how I have somehow not not let uh, not let not received His Word to permeate my whole being? The the other thing I need is I I need to be led. That's what that's how He closes the prayer. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see. The big temptation in the garden was, if you'll eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you won't need anybody to lead you. You'll know enough to do it on your own. I, I think I think we still are being chewing on that on that fruit. Truth is, you you can't live without a Lord. Oh, you've got them, whether you admit it or not. Your mind could be your Lord. Your understanding could be your Lord. Your 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 peers could be your Lord. Your uh, your boss, your job, you know, your your culture, your business, whatever. What leads you? And so, the honest to God prayer says, "I don't, I, I don't only want you to to search me. I want you to lead me, lead me in the the way." Literal translation would be, "Lead me in the ancient paths." Well, you say, "What does that mean? Lead me like according to the laws of the Old Testament." No, the ancient path. He's more ancient than that. All the way back to God the Father, God the Son. Then there was Adam in the garden. God walking and talking with Adam. Partnering with Adam. Enjoying fellowship with Adam. Even in the cool of day. Enjoying each other. Lead me in the paths of uh, ultimate fellowship. Of ultimate intimacy. Where... I have been reconciled to God and have even a greater access to him than Adam did because I have the access of Jesus. So lead me in the paths of uh, of your original intent. Lead me in the paths of of how you intended to lead and how you intended to relate to your creation. You see, when you ask the Lord to lead you, he assumes the responsibility to show you the way. It's anxious thoughts when we're always, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? I just wish the Lord would show me his will. I, Lord, if you'll show me your will, I'll do it and whatever. Uh, that, that's some anxious thinking right there. If you say to the Lord, uh, I am yours totally and I want you to lead me, he will. And he is the one responsible to show you the turns. 
and you can be confident that he will. And you, uh, you, don't, you don't have to take over his job, but it's now your job to simply obey. Trust him. Uh, move where he says move. And rest. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. But I, I challenge you today to be honest to God, honest with God. Would you be willing to pray today and say, Lord, you search me. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any painful, grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the ancient past that's going to last on forever. If you pray that, he will do that. Now, if you're expecting it to happen without any uh, oh, without any bumps and bruises, uh, you might might be disappointed because you see when when he searches your heart, what he does is he reveals those thoughts and the fruit of those thoughts, so you can see them. But but you can see them from his perspective. That's uh, that's uncomfortable. But the only way, only reason he exposes that is so that he can show you where that is a deviation from the good thoughts, the, the truth there. So he shows you your need so he can show you his supply. That's one way of saying it. He shows you your blindness so he can give you his sight. And he shows you your deafness so he can give you his ears. He shows you your limited perspective so he can give you his unlimited perspective. But you, but you have to see the exposure before you can get the other. But it's a wonderful thing. That, that's the way change happens. And so this simple little prayer would, uh, would go a long way to make, your, make you walk with God. Not a fearful walk in the sense that you're afraid that he's going to do something unexpectedly painful in your life, but a an awesome walk with God where you can be honest with him and know that he is a father who only wants his sons to live like sons. That's his bottom line. So Father, I pray that for every person who hears this, that there would be a desire in the heart to move into that realm to be as honest with you as we know how. And we can simply say, search me, O God. Know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous, painful way in me. And then lead me in the, in the, in the way of, of your intentions. So let this be true in every person's heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Dudley Hall from Kerygma Ventures. Additional copies of this resource, as well as a wide range of discipleship materials, is available from our website. You may make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Dudley Hall or Kerygma Ventures, please visit us online at www.kerygmaventures.com. That's K-E-R-Y-G-M-A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S dot com.